Hello, and welcome to One World, One Health, a place to talk about ways to improve the health of our planet and its people. I'm Maggie Fox. Our planet faces so many challenges, pollution, climate change, and new and re-emerging infectious diseases like COVID. This podcast is brought to you by the One Health Trust with bite-sized conversations with people who are helping. The COVID pandemic has changed the world forever. In three years, it's killed more than 6.6 million people. Just as experts predicted, it spread quickly from one country to another and no corner of the world is untouched. But epidemics and pandemics can and have been prevented. In this episode, we're talking to Dr. Tom Frieden, president and CEO of Resolve to Save Lives, which he set up to help governments and other organizations prevent killer diseases. Dr. Frieden is a former director of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and a longtime public health specialist. Dr. Frieden, thanks for joining us. Maggie, it's so wonderful to chat with you, and I look forward to our conversation. Tell us first about Resolve to Save Lives and what you do there. We started Resolve to Save Lives about five and a half years ago to address two problems that we saw as potentially having big solutions but not yet being addressed effectively. One is the epidemic of cardiovascular disease. This is actually the world's leading cause of death, and yet it's largely preventable. Unfortunately, there is far too little being done to address high blood pressure, excess sodium consumption, and consumption of artificial trans fat. We've made progress in some of those areas, uh, which is encouraging, but still there's far little attention to the world's leading killer. The second area is the prevention of epidemics through strengthening public health infrastructure, particularly in low and middle income countries, so that countries are better able to find, stop, and prevent health threats. The world failed pretty miserably in stopping the spread of COVID, despite decades of planning by you and other experts. Can you talk about just how that happened? Well, many books have been written about that, Maggie, and many more will be written. I think if we really step back and look at the big picture, there are some successes and some failures in the response to COVID. Successes include the use of community-wide measures to reduce spread before we had a vaccine, and then the remarkable development of highly effective vaccines and the imperfect rollout of those vaccines in every country, uh, two countries around the world and certainly within the United States. And if I were to kind of address the the essential problem, uh, what went wrong, in order to succeed in stopping infectious diseases and other health threats, you need a combination of technically sound approaches and political alignment. And in various countries, we got some of that right. I don't think a single country can say it got everything right. But in a lot of countries, including the US, a lot of that didn't happen well. We either didn't have technically strong approaches at some times, or we didn't have political alignment. And those technically strong approaches include very effective community engagement reaching out to groups and communities that for whatever reason are maybe not aligned or engaged or trusting of the government or the healthcare system. We need to get better at that, both within countries and among countries. And as you pointed out, some countries did better than others. Can you talk about some of them? First off, I think the countries that were most effective had an alignment between their public health leaders and their political leaders and they were upfront with the public, telling people what they knew, what they didn't know, what they recommended and why, 
what they were doing to try to do more and find out more, and were upfront about what the trade-offs were. I think there's a perception in some parts that public health was all about, let's shut everything down. And I don't think that's correct as a generalization of public health. Public health is there to say, here's the risks, here's what we can do to reduce those risks. Now let's have a discussion as a community or a country in what we're going to do. We see around the world is hugely different rates of death from COVID um, among countries with similar economic status and hugely different levels of disruption. Now, there's a philosophical observation that life can only be understood backwards, but must be lived forwards. Many things that we wish were done differently during COVID uh, are 2020 hindsight, but some of those things were knowable at the time. And one of that is the importance of getting good data, sharing that promptly and openly, and then making decisions with a clear explanation transparently uh, telling people what they can do to protect themselves and those around them. And Resolve to Save Lives issued a report recently that looks at the epidemics that didn't happen. Can you talk about those? Every day around the world, public health experts are finding and stopping outbreaks, preventing disasters. You don't read about them in the newspapers or see them on the evening news or read about them in social media precisely because they didn't happen. These case studies illustrate that if you find a disease early, report it quickly, and take rapid action, we can stop outbreaks. We can decrease the spread of disease. We can save lives. Preparedness works. And the examples are quite striking. They're from countries around the world, and they range in the important success factors and lessons. For example, in Guinea, there was a national investment in preparedness, and that allowed a much stronger set of uh, organizations and better trained people in place so that when there was another Ebola outbreak, it was very quickly contained. And beyond the specifics of what got done, the general lesson there is learning from the past is so important so you can continuously improve. Preparedness is not an end state. Preparedness is a journey. And our goal should be to be better prepared today than we were yesterday and better prepared tomorrow than we are today. Resolve to Save Lives issued a report recently that looks at the epidemics that didn't happen. Can you talk about those? Well, I'll make a specific comment and a general one too. Another of the case studies in the epidemics that didn't happen report is about rabies in Tanzania. Rabies is a horrible disease. It's nearly 100% fatal. And tragically, there was a fatality from rabies from a rabid dog. It was in a pastoral community that didn't have much engagement with the government or healthcare system. But the healthcare workers in Tanzania went out, reached out to the community, reached out to community leaders, did sensitive community engagement, and enlisted the community in addressing the threat of rabies. The community leaders knew about vaccinations because they're a pastoral community and they use vaccinations for their livestock, but they didn't know that rabies could be prevented by vaccination. And because the community was fully engaged, every child who was potentially exposed to this rabid dog was vaccinated and no other children died. So engaging with communities is enormously important. But the broader issue is if we look around the world, 
there are places where the community doesn't trust the healthcare system or doesn't trust the government, isn't engaged. There may be friction. A few years ago, there was a multi-year outbreak of Ebola in the Democratic Republic of Congo in North Kivu because the community just didn't trust the government. If we look around the world at things like cholera and circulating vaccine-derived polio viruses, they tend to be happening in places that aren't well engaged with the government and with the healthcare system. And healthcare can be a bridge to peace. You can go into communities which have big challenges and address their felt needs that may be for running water or sanitation or primary health care or a road or gainful employment. And building trust isn't just about reducing the risk of civil unrest. It's also about knitting together the parts of society that will be essential for disease prevention and control. I love what you just said about healthcare being a bridge to peace. If people could just accept that, that would make everything easier, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And one of the things that we recognize is that our primary healthcare systems are generally weak, certainly in, in the United States and in most countries around the world. If you look at low and middle income countries, you can basically count on one hand the countries that have robust primary health care systems. And yet we need epidemic-ready primary health care, not just to find infectious diseases when they first emerge, but also to provide the treatments and vaccinations needed to control them and to treat people for chronic diseases like hypertension and diabetes and asthma so they're less susceptible to infectious disease threats. You talk about something called 717. I think it's a target. Can you explain that a little bit? One thing that we're really encouraged by is the increasing global recognition of the importance of both accountability and rapid quality improvement. We've proposed a target of 717, that every single outbreak would be found within seven days, reported in one, and all essential control measures in place within seven days. We're finding that this is a rapid way of improving preparedness, and it's very important for the renaissance in public health that we need to combine with robust primary health care and resilient communities to make for a safer and healthier world. Dr. Frieden, thanks for chatting with us. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. Listeners, you can share this podcast, which is brought to you by the One Health Trust, by email, Twitter, or your favorite social media platform. And let us know what else you'd like to hear about at O-W-O-H. That's O-W-O-H at OneHealthTrust.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to One World, One Health, brought to you by the One Health Trust. I'm Ramanan Lakshminarayan, founder and president of the One Health Trust. You can subscribe to One World, One Health on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on social media at One Health Trust One Word for updates on One World One Health and the latest in research on One Health issues like drug resistance, disease spillovers, and the social determinants of health. Finally, please do consider donating to the One Health Trust to support this podcast and other initiatives and research that help us promote health and well-being worldwide. Until next time.